This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. And Martha, maybe the most startling number in our poll is this, the, the hypothetical matchup, a rematch of Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. Our poll with the, with the Washington Post pegging this at 51 percent uh, for, for Donald Trump over Joe Biden. That is a nine point edge. Now, that's only a couple of points difference from our last poll in May, but it is significantly different than most recent polls. It is an outlier compared to other polls we've seen recently. Our partners at 538 put together an analysis for us. They find an average of recent polls having this more in the one or two point range with Joe Biden typically having the edge. But whether you believe that or not, uh, look, there's a good chance that there's people just trying to send a message in the polling right now. Given the other frustration we've seen, we know in this poll there's some uh, some quirks, some oddities around the number of black voters and Hispanic voters, the, the younger voters who seem to be supporting Donald Trump. And get this, because it's pretty hard to believe, but we ask people whether Donald Trump should be constitutionally uh, disqualified from running for office. And among people who said yes, one in five, about 18%, say they'd vote for Trump anyway. So that might just be a, a sending a message that's more anti-Biden than it is pro-Trump. But regardless, the, the weaknesses that we are seeing uh, for Joe Biden and his approval rating across the board are very real. They are alarming to Democrats, even if no one thinks this is ultimately going to be a nine-point race. Well, we were supposed to have another clip in the cold open, but that's okay. We're already off to a to a good start. It is September 25th, year of our Lord, 2023. Natalie Winters hosting, filling in for Stephen K. Bannon, coming at you live from our nation's imperial capital, the land of shiny objects and special interests, a playground for the donor class, as you guys are well aware, that's been on full display this week, last week. But you guys know what this really is all about. I'd call it, I'll use sports reference here, a pregame to thwart, to obstruct the, what is the inevitable term, second term of President Donald J. Trump. And right there in that cold open, which was cut short, we had a great clip from Trump that was supposed to be played, shows you they are in full freak out, a five alarm fire over the fact that President Donald J. Trump is beating Joe Biden by double digits. That's right, 10 points. We're going to have Monica Crowley joining us shortly to walk us through because there's multiple buried leads in that poll among independents, among the younger demographic about how Donald J. Trump is just, I mean, assassinating Joe Biden when it comes to these numbers. It's absolutely crazy. But before we get into that real quick, I just want to tee up something because this links to something a lot bigger. There's some other interesting stories that have been coming out in the media today. Politico just finished their fifth part on what is a five-part series of the anti-vaccine movement. You guys know that's just code for people who don't want to get 
an experimental gene therapy treatment because the government tells them to, whatever happened to, don't tread on me. Uh, but you can see that there are all these forces that I think really are coalescing and aligning behind President Donald J. Trump. All of these different people who don't just compromise your typical Republican voter, and that's why you're seeing these stunning tidal wave numbers. I'd also be remiss to not mention that there's a great new FOIA request out there that shows what the disinformations are at DHS, which should not get just an 8% cut, if you ask me. Um, what they wanted to really censor with their new disinformation unit, and it had to do with the COVID origins, Ukraine, Afghanistan, and you guessed it, illegal immigration and irregular immigration at that. But I guess when the censorship industrial complex fails and falters and gets defunded like it should be, that should be a good lesson for House Republicans. Well, Joe Biden doesn't have the Praetorian Guard to run cover for him, so it makes it a little bit harder to cheat in those polls to get the numbers because we can actually see President Donald J. Trump is surging even above the margin of fraud. That's right, not margin of error, margin of fraud. Someone who knows all of this so well is, of course, a good friend of the show, a good friend of mine, Monica Crowley, who I think we have. Uh, Monica, I would love to get your thoughts just off the top. You saw the cold open. You saw the media saying, don't don't believe our own polls. We did something wrong. There has to be something wrong here. Is there something wrong with the methodology, or is this just called winning, and is Donald J. Trump doing that? Well, it's great to be with you, Natalie, as always. So thank you so much. It really was a spectacle to behold, to watch yesterday, continuing into today, these propaganda organs for the Democrats and for Joe Biden run away from their own poll. <laughs> so you had the folks from ABC News, and then you had the folks from the Washington Post. They work in conjunction, polling Americans on a whole variety of issues. And they've spent really... 24 to 36 hours running away <laughs> from their own poll because they didn't like uh, what the data showed and what the American people were telling them in this poll. Now, it is true that 10 points is a really wide margin here compared to other polls by other propaganda outfits that show also a very tight race. You know, they show Trump may be running even with Biden or even a little ahead, maybe by a point or two. So the 10-point spread was really significant. And you know it had to kill them to put this out. You know that with every fiber of their being, they wanted to bury this, kill it, just not publish it. But of course, that would have been a bigger story. So they had to release the poll results. What's fascinating here is not just that Donald Trump is leading Joe Biden by double digits, but when you really get into the crosstabs and you start digging through the, the real data in this poll, it's a disaster for Joe Biden. You know, you can kind of maybe set aside the, the 10 point and say, OK, maybe some of the methodology or whatever the case might be. But when you start to get into the crosstabs and you see that Donald Trump is now leading by 13 points among independents, then you take a look at different demographic groups, as you point out, younger generation also leaving the Democrats, leaving Joe Biden, not into him. They look at him as a senile old man who has not delivered for their progressive causes, so they don't want any part of him. But also among black voters, Hispanic voters, women, Joe Biden is hemorrhaging support. So this isn't just a five alarm fire, this is a 10 alarm fire. 
And I want to make one other quick point about this. And I tweeted this out yesterday, Natalie. When you take a look at all of the results in this poll, and it is tracking with other polls as well, that the Democrats are losing support uh, really among core constituencies. When you take a look at this, what becomes clear is that it demolishes the Trump can't win a general election lie. It destroys the, oh, Trump is hated by independents. Independents will never vote for him lie. And it also becomes clear that the left's power brokers that now want Joe Biden gone because he has outlived his usefulness to them, that they're going to use polls like this to leverage him out. And it also is sending the election fraudsters into a panic because, as you point out, and our friend Jack Posobiec has pointed out and others, that this is beyond the margin of fraud. They're going to have to work a lot harder to steal the next election if, in fact, these margins hold. So this is very bad news for Joe Biden, the left, the communists, and the Democrats, and very good news for the former president, soon to be the next president. No, the, the crosstabs are, are seriously stunning. There's a 13-point spread with independence. Even catch this, the 18 to 35 demographic, Trump wins 53 to 38, and of all the issues Joe Biden pulled, the lowest at his approval rating on, you guessed it, immigration. I think it was about a 23 percent. It's about one in five people approving of the job that he's doing. But, Monica, before we get into the other stuff that I'd wanted to talk about with you, I'd like to sort of drill down on why exactly you think we're seeing this spread. Now, I would agree with you that part of it has to do with their new effort, their new crusade to get Joe Biden out of office. Um, but I also think that people are sort of waking up to the fact that we're at war and that war is against the administrative state. Um, the Atlantic and sort of the latest saga of the mainstream media crying about how we want to dismantle, disrupt and destroy what is the deep state. They published just today uh, an article, the open plot to dismantle the federal government. Uh, I can't overstate my level of concern about the damage this would do. And it goes on to wax on about how bureaucrats and unelected officials, a la Fauci and Zelen not Zelensky, that's a Freudian slip, uh, Vindman, um, are so important to the fabric of our of our democracy. Um, but I'd love to just get your thoughts on what you really think the driving factors are that is uniting this sort of coalition that isn't just, like I said, your typical Republican voter, right? It's all these different interests coming together to get these stunning numbers, because you know well enough these errors in methodology and skewing the demographics with polls, they typically only go one way, right? It's typically in favor of Democrats. So. I think there is some some salience with this poll, but I'm just curious your thoughts on why you think we're seeing such this dramatic such a dramatic shift. Well, I think there are a couple of things going on. First of all, I think the four um, indictments of Donald Trump with the 91 counts against him have really woken a lot of people up to what we all talk about here on this show and, and elsewhere about the administrative state, about the weaponization of government against the American people. Donald Trump is the ultimate symbol of that. And I think a lot of people who may have been asleep before in terms of the, the left taking over all of our institutions and weaponizing them against us now are seeing Donald Trump get railroaded for non-crimes while Joe Biden and the Democrats 
tend to skate and walk free for committing real crimes. So I think those indictments really woke a lot of people up. I think the unintended consequence for the left and the Democrats is that those indictments meant to stop Donald Trump actually may in fact be the motivating factor to, to get him uh, reelected next year. So that's one big factor. The other thing too, I think is going on is that Joe Biden's presidency has been so catastrophic for every American between a catastrophic economy, sky high inflation that is absolutely relentless, sky high gas prices, record consumer debt. You know, the American people don't have to reach back 40 years to remember the booming Reagan economy and think about how great things were back then. All they have to do is reach back three years pre-COVID to the Trump economy. So they, they live that in history and they know what a strong economy is. And this is the exact opposite of that. They are so much worse off now than they were just three years ago and they're holding Biden accountable. And then they look at the collapse of law and order. They look at the erasure of the Southern border the mass influx of illegal immigrants with all of the problems and issues that they bring from crime, drugs, disease, to the strain on our resources. They're seeing this now in every direction. And you know, Reagan's famous question, are you better off today than you were four years ago? It was a resounding no in 1980. It is a resounding no now and will be an even more resounding no next year. That's why you're seeing these poll numbers change. I'm sure they wish that we had short-term memory loss so we don't remember how good we had it under President right. Donald J. Trump, <laughs> right? Uh, Monica, if you can hang with us through the break, I want to get into the Menendez corruption, but not the angle that all the other regular media is covering it with. But really, as you guys know, everything in D.C. I think here comes down to timing, why they chose to go after him now just after he had voiced some criticism to Joe Biden's handling um, of affairs in Iran. Uh, but even more interesting is that he retained the same lawyer that Hunter Biden did to help defend him. He doesn't signal that he'll be stepping down despite a chorus of calls uh, from his colleagues for him to do so. But I think it really goes, which is what Monica and I will get to after the break. What is the, of course, culture of corruption here in Washington, D.C.? And just a, just a fun fact, just going to throw this out there. Uh, did you guys know that a top aide to Menendez when he was trying to set up some fundraiser or some, you know, swanky D.C. cocktail event and they wanted Joe Biden to be there? This was back in 2010. Well, do you know who he emailed to have Joe Biden come and be present and probably, you know, rub some shoulders? Hunter Biden's business partner, the guy who ran all of his finances, a guy by the name of Eric Schwerin. So the corruption runs deep if you're a Democrat or if you're an establishment Republican. But I guess apparently the DOJ now cares about fairer violations, just not when it comes to Hunter Biden. We'll get into that more right after this break. Monica Crowley, Joe Kent, much more. Do you get the feeling that the unthinkable is going to happen soon? Well, I do. But between the distractions and smoke screens in the media, we probably won't see it coming. That's why it's smart to invest in emergency food right away. As they say, it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. My Patriot Supply is the nation's leader in high-quality emergency food. Let me repeat that. My Patriot Supply is the nation's leader in high-quality emergency food. Head to MyPatriotSupply.com and prepare today 
with emergency food that will stay fresh for up to 25 years. Enjoy a wide variety of delicious food kits offering over 2,000 calories every day for optimum strength under stress. And don't forget about water filtration and purification products. These are perfect for your bug out bag, survival supply, or your camping pack. One thing is for sure in this world. We all need to stock up before panic sets in. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship the same day. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. It's time to prepare for what is coming. So prepare with the best. MyPatriotSupply.com. Take action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. It's still Natalie Winters filling in for the one and only Stephen K. Bannon. But in the meantime, we still have Monica Crowley, Joe Kent, and Darren J. Beattie. So I think that's a pretty good lineup. Uh, we still got Monica with us. And Monica, before we had to jump to break, we were talking, well, I guess I was talking about the Bob Menendez situation. That's a euphemistic term to describe it. But I'd love to get your thoughts, like I said, primarily on the timing of all of this, um, just how Democrats seem to be so darn good at inflation, of course, but also so um, corruption. <laughs> yeah, well, I grew up in the state of New Jersey, and my mom is still there, and I love the Garden State. So I can say this, Natalie, New Jersey is perhaps the most corrupt state in the union. There are others that give it a real run for its money, but New Jersey is definitely up there. And, you know, I was just thinking about the recent parade of New Jersey politicians who have gone to prison, they've been uh, prosecuted for all kinds of corruption, going back to the early 1980s with the Abscam uh, scandal, and then through Jim McGreevy and Robert Torricelli, and just the, the, the list is endless. So now we've got Bob Menendez, who comes out of this, this sludge of New Jersey corruption, and he got away with a case, a corruption case. Back in 2015, he was charged with corruption. And he got away with it because I have no doubt that they stacked the jury and he walked free. So of course he felt like he could continue going. The, the kind of corruption, the bribery with nearly $500,000 in cash, you got gold bars, you got a Mercedes Benz. Like it's easy to kind of laugh at that kind of corruption. And the truth is in New Jersey, it's kind of garden variety corruption for Democrats in Jersey. <laughs> But, you know, the, the bigger point about this is twofold. Number one, that the timing on this is absolutely critical. He is critical of the administration's approach toward Cuba and also to Iran. Very critical of the Iran uh, deal and the fact that Joe Biden is, is working around the clock to resurrect that. It's a horrendous deal for our national security, the security of our ally Israel, regional security in the Middle East, and of course, global uh, security. But Joe Biden, Barack Obama, they are gung-ho on reinstating the Iran deal. And uh, Menendez has been one of the very few Democrats to stand up and say this is not a good idea. So of course they want him gone. He is an anti-communist uh, coming from a Cuban background. Um, and so there, there are a whole variety of ideological, political, and practical reasons why they want to see uh, Menendez out of there. But you know the, the, the other big point about this is that guys like Biden and Menendez 
they they engage in this kind of epic corruption. And by the way, the garden variety Menendez corruption, they want you, they want your eyes off of the bigger league, the varsity corruption. Menendez is JV. The varsity corruption is Joe Biden, that international um, deep, deep influence peddling and corruption. That is the main event. And they want you distracted by sort of the, the gold bar situation in New Jersey. Stay focused. Do not take your eye off the ball. It's Joe Biden and the much bigger corruption. But here's the bigger point. Guys like Biden and Menendez continue to engage in this kind of corrupt activity because they can. Democrats and the have total institutional control and they have the protection of the propaganda press. So they can literally get away with all of this as they have for years until they don't. And the only reason that they don't is when the left's power brokers decide, like they have with Menendez, and as they apparently have had uh, with Joe Biden, the moment they decide that they have outlived their usefulness, they have someone younger, fresher, hotter, more communist, ready to fill those positions, and then it's lights out for you. And that's what you're seeing going on with Menendez and Biden. Well, they get away with it because the best that House Republicans can do is tweet, like Steve said this morning, I kid you not, I think on Sunday evening, accountability is coming. That's the best that we got. Our best and brightest can put out a tweet like that. Meanwhile, Joe Biden walks free, Mayorkas walks free, Merrick Garland walks free when they all should have been impeached, frankly, in my opinion, on, on day one of that illegitimate Regime And if accountability looks like what this Mike Gallagher China committee has done on taking down the Chinese Communist Party, then I think we may have differing definitions of what exactly accountability is. And I think, frankly, I'd take the uh, Democrats definition of it. And he's a Monica Crowley. You are the host of the wonderful Monica Crowley podcast. If people want to stay up to date with all your episodes, catch all your hot takes on social media, where can they find and follow you? Uh, well, thank you, Natalie. Yes, it's the Monica Crowley podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, all of the evil empire platforms. The show is there. So please go <laughs> check it out. And on Twitter and through social, I am at Monica Crowley. And on Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And there's Getter too. Catch her while you still can before they <laughs> probably blacklist and demonetize her. Monica Crowley, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Natalie, as always. And we have a cold that I want to play for our next guest, Joe Kent. So, Denver, if you want to roll those two 60-minute clips, let's hit it. American taxpayers are financing more than just weapons. We discovered the U.S. government's buying seeds and fertilizer for Ukrainian farmers and covering the salaries of Ukraine's first responders, all 57,000 of them. That includes the team that trains this rescue dog named Joy to comb through the wreckage of Russian strikes looking for survivors. And the U.S. also funds the divers who we saw clearing unexploded ammunition from the country's rivers to make them safe again for swimming and fishing. Russia's invasion shrank Ukraine's economy by about a third. We were surprised to find that to keep it afloat, the US government is subsidizing small businesses. 
where would the Ukrainians be right now without U.S. weapons? How much of their country would they have lost? Without that sort of aid, I think Ukraine would have been probably overrun, defeated, uh, certainly would have lost a lot more. Lieutenant General Ben Hodges served as the commander of the U.S. Army in Europe. He retired in 2017 and is now an advisor to NATO. Hodges told us the Biden administration has failed to explain to Americans what they're getting for their dollar in Ukraine. If you think about it, Russia has been for decades and still is an existential threat for Europe and the United States. I mean, just listen to what their leaders say. Look at the thousands of nuclear weapons. They clearly will keep going if they're not stopped. It sounds like you're saying stopping Vladimir Putin in Ukraine directly benefits every American. Absolutely. This, this war is about so much more than just Ukraine. Is this a high point for American foreign policy? Uh, it will be after uh, Russia has been defeated. The regime media, I guess, is hard at work. That's a, I'd say, a masterclass in crafting a narrative. I want to draw a parallel here because what you just watched on 60 Minutes, it's like the same exact thing, the same parallel to Hunter Biden only getting charged for gun crimes when meanwhile the whole family is making millions of dollars engaging in bribery, corruption, treason, human trafficking, fair violations, you name it, the list goes on. But all they're going to charge him with is gun crimes. Now, you guys know there's a lot much more darker, sinister stuff going on in Ukraine, but just to try to keep you happy, 60 Minutes is going to do some hard-hitting investigative journalism on what's going on in Ukraine, and they found that we're subsidizing seeds and fertilizer and first responders. They even throw in, no shade to the rescue dog, I love dogs, but they throw in the rescue dog to try to make you say, oh, what we're funding is, is good, and there's a little air of like, oh... But really, we should be funding this stuff at home. That is a sideshow to a sideshow. I'm glad 60 Minutes exposed a little bit of the grift going on. But you guys know what they're covering up, what they're trying to get ahead of is large scale, industrial scale corruption, money laundering, grift, however you want to call it, going on in Ukraine. And of course, they're couching it in the academic discourse of Russia being our greatest existential threat. That and, of course, climate change. Joe Kent, I think we have you. You, of course, have always been, I think, on the right side of history on most things, but especially when it comes to Ukraine, you understand the sacrifices that we make when we get ourselves into these, you know, endless forever wars. Uh, your reactions to what I would argue is just more narrative spin from the 60 Minutes types media type medias of the world on Ukraine. Yeah, this was really just rinse and repeat. I mean, basically, you could substitute Vladimir Putin for the Taliban, al-Qaeda, and this exact same propaganda could have been rolled out basically with the same actors, retired U.S. generals or current U.S. generals saying that, hey, we have to fight al-Qaeda and the Taliban over there so we don't fight them over here. This is an existential threat to America, so we need to spend all this money. It's the exact same talking points. And then with the exact same mainstream media fluff where they say, hey, it's not just weapons and, and combat power that we're supporting over here. It's also whole of government. It's great things like puppy dogs that are rescuing people. It's small business loans. It's, it's much more complicated than that. Your, your taxpayer dollars aren't being wasted on corruption and graft. They're really going to these bold freedom fighters 
we've been hearing this nonsense as long as I've been an adult. I joined the Army in 1998 and fought in the War on Terror, and we were told these same lies over and over again. Uh, General, retired General uh, Hodges they had on there, he's been regurgitating this nonsense since he was one of the deputies in uh, Iraq commanding that war, asking for one more troop surge, you know, one more combat system, one more commitment from the American taxpayers. We were turning the corner in Iraq. He did the same thing in Afghanistan. And now he's got a job spinning the exact same lies for the American people once more. But I think people see the pattern recognition and they understand that we're being lied to. And this really is just one big money laundering operation. And Joe, hang with us. I want to drill down more on this, how it links, of course, to the CR. And really what I think their ultimate plan is, which is to make Ukraine the next forever war abroad so the military-industrial complex can get their profits. If only they cared about the southern border as much as they did Ukraine. They could probably make a lot of money there, too. We'll be right back after this break. You should choose an air purifier like your life depends on it. Because it just might. More than 35,000 wildfires have devastated the U.S. this year. The toxins and particles in wildfire smoke can penetrate our lungs and threaten our health. That's why EnviroCleanse developed military-grade air purification for your home. And they just announced their biggest sale of the year. Save a massive 30% off during their Labor Day sale. EnviroCleanse is specifically designed to wipe out airborne chemicals and viruses known to cause illness, allergies, and difficulty breathing. Even toxic gases and particles found in wildfire smoke are no match for EnviroCleanse. That's why the Department of Defense chose EnviroCleanse to protect the air on board our Navy combatants. And EnviroCleanse comes with a free professional air quality monitor so you know your family's breathing purified air. Now's the time to save 30% off your air purification unit. Get the free air quality monitor and fast free shipping. That's a 250 bucks savings. Visit ekpure.com and use code Steve. That's ekpure.com, code Steve. Let me repeat, ekpure.com, code Steve. ekpure.com, code Steve. Take action, use your agency, do it today, get the benefits of the sale. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. We've got a very long week ahead of us. Congress is going to be gaveling in tomorrow at noon since they needed to take a long weekend starting Thursday at 3 p.m. because they've worked so hard. Oh, wait, no, they were on recess for over a month. Um, But it's going to be important that you guys are well-rested and ready to fire up those phone lines as you guys have been doing and continue to do. It's important. It's working. It's helping to move the needle. So you got to go to mypillow.com slash war room to make sure you get a good night's sleep so you can make the best case you can when you call your congressman to make sure that we hold the line and don't get a CR, an omnibus, 30 days, 45 days, 8%. None of it. We don't want it. We want single subject spending bills like Congressman Matt Gates has been outlining from day one. Also, you got to go to Birch Gold to get the latest installment of the end of the dollar empire. Birchgold.com slash Bannon if you want to get all the, say, lingo, understand the vernacular, not that just that st- what, what Steve is talking about, but when they talk about fiscal policy on the Hill, sometimes I'm even like, what are they talking about? But you can learn a lot from the wonderful book that is the end of the dollar empire that Steve helped write with 
the guys over at Birch Gold. So make sure you go to birchgold.com slash Bannon. But without further ado, we still got Joe Kent with us. We'll have Darren Beatty joining us after him. Um, but Joe, I'd love if you could just pick up where you left off. But particularly, you tweeted something that made me laugh, um, saying that foreign aid is basically just money laundering. And I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, but if you could sort of walk us through that paradigm and how it really affects what's going on um, with the Ukraine situation. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Look, I mean, what Washington, D.C. loves more than anything is these massive foreign aid projects, or even better, is a war, a proxy war or a hot war, because it allows them to move billions and billions, if not even more, more money overseas where it really can't be accounted for. And then it's much easier for that money to just sort of randomly find its way back into the coffers in Washington, D.C. And it's not always as obvious as it is with with Senator Menendez and gold bars and hundreds of thousands of dollars in his house. It's usually much more subtle. It goes through these NGOs overseas and then it comes back into the form of buying political capital in the form of super PACs. That money gets laundered back into the coffers of politicians who subsequently vote for the wars, or really even better, just approve the massive omnibus packages, the CRs that allow the president to continue just to give these countries a blank check. When you think about it, we spent about $8 trillion in the wars in Af- Iraq and Afghanistan. We got absolutely nothing for that in return. And it's hard to account for where all that money went. Uh, Really, you don't see Iraq or Afghanistan being better off for all the money that we spent, regardless of all the different nation-building hype that you heard. But what you did see is you saw a bunch more mansions built along the Potomac River uh, that now are inhabited by defense contractors. And this is the scam. When you wonder why your infrastructure in your state, in your home, why our bridge here in the Pacific Northwest and Washington 3 is falling apart, why we can't get money for our first responders, we're funding the first responders in Ukraine, but we can't get enough wildland firefighters out to fight the forest fires in our backyard? Well, it's because Washington, D.C. prioritizes foreign aid in wars over everything else. And you've seen that when they say, hey, we can't fund any of the disaster relief in America until we fund Ukraine. And that's why I think it's really important what uh, Matt Gates and the rest of the Freedom Caucus are doing by holding the line and saying, hey, we owe it to the American people to debate these issues separately and transparently. Yeah, walk us through your logic on that. Obviously, I think the posse knows very well you're running for Congress out in Washington's beautiful third district. But just run us through your approach to the concept of CR versus single subject spending bills. Omnibus, is this, you know, what Matt Gates always says, is this just the muscle memory of Washington, D.C. doing what it does best, putting you guys up against a wall so you have no choice but to just fund the entire government. Uh, You don't have time to do the single subject spending bills because, you know, apparently September 30th, sometimes it's confusing. Uh, It does always seem to fall on September 30th, hence the the date. But I guess in Kevin McCarthy's universe, uh, maybe it doesn't come. I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's intentional. Maybe it's incompetent. I think you know my theory of the case. But just walk us through a little bit your approach to the CR, say you were in Congress now. Now, we are $33 trillion in debt. We take in $5 trillion in taxes, as the posse knows, because you guys cover it very well. And the Biden regime and the Democrats want to spend $7 trillion, running up $2 trillion per every single year. This isn't sustainable. Every single common sense American knows that. And so what we actually have to do is say, hey, the status quo has gotten us to this point. And, you know, back in the late 90s, that was the last time they did individual appropriations bills. And ever since then, really in the post 9-11 era, we've said, hey, we're way too busy. In particular, we're too busy with all these wars. We've just got to have these omnibus bu- budgets 
and these CRs. And that's gotten us to this point. So if we're going to continue to go down this road, we're basically kissing the republic goodbye. And right now, the dollar, as you guys point out here on the, on the war room, it is not strong enough because of what's happening geopolitically, what's happening with BRICS, what's happening with OPEC. The dollar is losing its strength. We've got to get serious. So I believe that it is the fiscally responsible thing to do. It is the conservative, small government-minded thing to do is to stop and say, hey, we're going to break it down individually on what we spend our money on. We're going to be good stewards of the taxpayer dollars. We're going to lay it out for the American people. And we're going to have these robust debates. If there's people on the other side of the aisle or even Republicans that are fans of what's happening in Ukraine, then that should be debated individually. And they should say, hey, this is how much this Ukraine aid is going to cost. Here's what we get in return. And we should have a robust debate about that that the American people can see and they can weigh in on, as opposed to just lumping everything together and saying, hey, if, if you peasants out there in regular America want any kind of table scraps from your government, then first thing you got to do is approve Ukraine aid and then also fund the woke and weaponized government. Another big issue, too, is we have a very limited amount of power in Washington, D.C. right now. It's with this thin majority in the House of Representatives. If we're worried about what Biden's doing at the border with the corruption of the Biden regime, then we've got to use the appropriations process and the power of the purse strings to actually hold them accountable. Because it's one thing to have a hearing and yell at them. It's quite another to say we are going to defund these individual programs until we see actual change come about. So I think it's the responsible thing to do. And then in terms of actually holding this regime accountable, it's our only option. And just one more question. I think we'll have Darren JB joining us shortly um, with some new developments on the Ray Epps front. Speaking of a weaponized, for, uh, as I say, foreign government, certainly feels that way sitting in Washington, D.C., but federal government. Um, I would assume I know the answer to this, that you are obviously a no on more money for Ukraine, but you see leadership sort of flip-flopping saying, oh, we're going to take the Ukraine aid out, then putting it back in, then taking it out again, right? It's this sort of dance. Um, what do you think fundamentally is driving, again, like Steve always says, you know, make it make sense, right? There's something not right here. When it comes to the Ukraine issue, do you really think it's fair to just chalk it up primarily to the military defense contractors, to the defense industry, or do you think there's another part of it, too, which sort of circles back to that 60 Minutes clip, which is just this unending, unceasing appetite from the regime, sort of the academic think tank crowd, that Russia is the enemy, Russia is the existential threat. And we know they're not good guys. We're not, you know, hardcore pro-Russia here in the war room, but we're also not uh, ridiculously pro-Ukraine to the point where we want to bankrupt the United States to the detriment of our own southern border. So in order to, I think, combat this, you have to sort of understand the evil forces that are making Ukraine such an issue, right, to begin with. Um, so if you really had to distill it down, what do you think it comes down to that Ukraine is just so on the forefront of these people's minds? Well, number one, after Afghanistan and Iraq ended, they needed another war. But Ukraine and really having to push the expansion of NATO and NATO security agreements, that really, that and keeping our manufacturing base over in China, 
kind of underpins what they call, you know, the post-war liberal rules-based order that we provide the security guarantees for. So we have to spend trillions on the defense of NATO. We have to spend trillions on securing the high seas to make sure global commerce can still happen. We have to spend all of this money, and that includes everything that happens on Wall Street, that happens, uh, that also includes sending our sons and daughters off to go fight and uh, make sure these security agreements are upheld with our with our blood and, and our treasure, but also th- this really just underpins the entire U.S. system that gives power just to the Washington, D.C. elite, to Wall Street, because if we were to actually prioritize Americans, the last thing we would do is scatter our forces out throughout the entire world, getting involved in all these conflicts that don't really involve American interests. We'd secure our border. We'd bring back our manufacturing. We'd use our natural resources. So then the Chinese Communist Party, if we kick them out of our capital markets and we stop relying for manufacturing, we simply wouldn't even need them as much. And we also wouldn't need to provide the security guarantees in Europe anymore. And we'd be able to actually focus and prioritize for once on the American people. So I I think that this is the last uh, grasp of the the old school rules-based international order to keep their interests first and foremost, because the last thing they want is for the American people to be put first and for us to be back in the driver's seat. And this is another reason why President Trump and the America First movement is such a threat to these people. Because if we start putting Americans first, then all of it crumbles and they lose their power and their control. So they're going to continue to push this NATO expansion and this war and all these different security agreements. And we they will continue to prioritize the American people last until we vote them out of office and take back power. I think that's what we call the primal scream of a dying regime, to quote the intro of War Room. Joe Kent, if people want to follow you, stay up to date with the campaign and support you, where can they go? Yeah, please go to JoeKentForCongress.com. I'm up against millions of dollars coming from Nancy Pelosi's Democrats. Uh, I rely on small dollar donors. This is the end of the quarter, so anything people can give by the end of the month will really help us out. JoeKentForCongress.com. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Emily. It really is sick that House Republicans took, what was it, a six-week recess when every single day the U.S. southern border was getting breached, destroyed, dare I say, I mean, raped with migrants entering this country. Meanwhile, the Democrats were sitting back saying, hey, every day we don't do something. That's new voters for us. That's new people to put on the government dole to ensure that they're Democratic voters for life, the true insurrection. We're bringing in our very own insurrection expert momentarily, I think is happening at the border right now, but apparently no one seems to care. Um, but someone who does care about the Fedsurrection is Darren J. Beatty. Now, we got about two minutes before we got to jump to break, but I'll let you take a crack at it. You can start on the latest developments, at least an exclusive story from you guys at Revolver when it comes to Ray Epps. Indeed. Well, I think many people have heard Ray Epps has been slapped on the wrist with a sham, bungling, too little, too late, singular misdemeanor indictment for, wait for it, disorderly conduct. So we go through the statement of offense and line by line, and we show just what an absolute sham it is coming from Merrick Garland in this latest piece from Revolver.News with very rare footage of Ray Epps that will, I think, shock people. So I encourage everyone, 
let's read along, go to revolver.news and we can look at the video together. And when you come back from break, we can go over what the video means in context. I'm looking forward to that. I love it when my guests give me the uh, the outline of the show. It makes my job <laughs> a lot easier. Maybe <laughs> you're, you're coming for my job. <laughs> Darren, hang with us through the break, uh, and we'll get to that story and so much more. If you want, in the meantime, you can check out my Twitter. There's a video of, believe it or not, a National Guardsman. There's a horde of illegals trying to, well, I guess they already did, enter this country. You guessed it. Illegally, and this National Guardsman down in Texas, instead of turning them around at the border, he puts a ladder up to help them climb up whatever building they're in front of to get into the United States. It's an invasion, but remember, it's an invasion that's being funded, aided, and abetted by your taxpayer dollars. It's all intentional. For war room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications, and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in stream short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical. That's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the war room. We still got Dr. Darren J. Beattie with us to discuss all of the lies our government has told us. Specifically, I know there are a lot of ways I could end that sentence, but specifically about January 6th. And you guys know, of course, they're also lying to us about the economy. I'd argue purposefully, purposely trying to tank it. Um, that's why you got to go to birchgold.com slash Bannon to get the end of the dollar empire and put your financial future in your own hands. Because as you guys know, knowledge is power. And here in the war room, we define knowledge as what the regime media doesn't want you to know. So that's why you got to read the end of the dollar empire. It's full of misinformation and disinformation and conspiracy theories as uh, our betters in the mainstream press would tell you. Now, Darren, if you want to walk us through what you were discussing before the break, the videos, everything, Ray Epps, I'm sure the audience is on the edge of their seat. Indeed. So Ray Epps was hit with a singular misdemeanor charge of disorderly conduct in a restricted area. He was hit with this misdemeanor charge nearly three years after 
January 6th. Those two things are really important to understand as the regime media characterizes this as a refutation of all of the damning, burning questions surrounding Ray Epps' involvement on January 6th. And so what we do in this latest white-hot bombshell revolver piece is we dissect Merrick Garland's statement of offense, this sweetheart, bizarre plea deal that Ray Epps has given almost three years after the fact. We look at their characterization of Ray Epps' behavior on the 5th and the 6th, and we compare it with video that we've obtained. Some of this is very rare video, not the standard, now iconic stuff that people have seen circulating on Twitter. Very rare video, just comprehensively documenting Epps' behavior on the 5th and the 6th. And I encourage everyone, go to the site and read through it yourself. Some of the highlights in the video is a clip of him seeming to say, we're here to storm the Capitol. We document how invasive he was going to all different groups, redirecting their attention from Antifa and BLM to this bizarre mission of going into the Capitol. In fact, at one point he bizarrely states, the Capitol is our enemy, as though he traveled all the way across the country to vent out some grudge on neoclassical architecture. We have a really <laughs> remarkable exchange between Ray Epps and a kid who thinks he's full of crap, and the kid says, you're not going to storm the Capitol. You're full of BS. And Ray Epps looks at him. This is such a good video. People need to see it. Ray Epps looks at him. He grins. And he does talk to the hand like, wait and see, kid. Wait and see what we've got in store. You don't think we're going to do it? Wait and see, kid. Um, so there's really remarkable uh, footage there that you know, it's interesting in its own right, but contextually it shows that the characterization of Epps' behavior in this ridiculous plea deal is nowhere close to what his actual behavior was in terms of how it was documented, how committed he was, and just how egregious his behavior was. And I should point out as well, as we've reported on this very early on, the FBI put him on their most wanted list two days after January 6th. So it's not like they're just learning about Epps and decide to hit him with a misdemeanor charge. They've been sitting on this for a long time. And if they think that this is going to repair their utterly shattered narrative as it pertains to Epps or January 6th, they're sorely mistaken. In fact, desperate attempts like this to salvage the narrative just make them not only look more guilty, but even worse, far more incompetent than we um, ever could have imagined. So that's the story here. And I'd like to just address one thing that's sort of a breaking issue that's really shocked me uh, in many ways. The people who have been following our research on January 6th know that I've spoken about this individual fence cutter bulwark as one of the people that I'd love to be identified, who's we've shown him on videos methodically cutting down fencing um, in advance of the crowd uh, going to the Capitol and so forth. Well, bizarrely, he's come out of the woodwork and he's doing an interview with these people I've never heard of, punk rocker patriots. And 
Um, I'm suspending full commentary and judgment until I see the interview, but I just find it very interesting that just, you know, not even a week after this bizarre um, Ray Epps misdemeanor slap on the wrist thing, now all of a sudden one of the most, you know, curious characters in the whole J6 saga, the fence cutter, is crawling out of the woodwork for an interview with these people that nobody's ever heard of. It seems like some one behind the scenes is trying to put out all the conspiracy fires and tie a nice little bow on January 6th and move on and hope people forget about all these questions that we've been asking for years that get to the core of just what a lie the Fed's erection is. So this is, I would say, one of the most um, important developments in the J6 research in a very long time. So I, I look forward to seeing who this guy is, what he says. I don't know much about it, um, but it's a big deal. And I wanted to make sure your audience has it on their radar because I'm going to have a big response after the interview airs. I think it's on Wednesday. Like I always say, they wish that MAGA had short-term memory, but unfortunately, we are very intellectually advanced, and we don't forget, and we don't fall victim to the misinformation, disinformation, and conspiracy theory labels, despite the federal government's best efforts. Darren J. Beattie, if people want to find you, follow you, stay up to date with everything you're publishing, where can they go to do so? Revolver.news, go to the very top, watch this video. It's a very rare video. It'll, it's, some of it's bizarre, it's damning, it's really interesting stuff. So Revolver.news for the video, and we've got a series of really, really hard-hitting pieces coming uh, throughout the week. So check Revolver.news, or White Hot as always on Getter, at Revolver News. And I am on the esteemed platform known as X, <laughs> at Darren J. Beattie. <laughs> Formerly known as Twitter, but and if now I'm not cool, mistaken, cool if I'm not mistaken, X. Darren, all all those videos that you're talking about, we certainly don't have Kevin McCarthy to thank for those, right? He never gave you anything. We got 30 seconds, so I gotta let you go. But uh, no, Indeed no not. help from him and Warren Posse. In the meantime, if you want to give your congressman a nice call, depending if they're on the good side or the bad side. I'm from California, so. I won't even try. Um, but 202-225-3121, 202-225-3121. Thank you for hanging with me and make sure you call and give them the old what. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700 thousand Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart, and those you care about, please go to WarRoomHealth.com. That's WarRoomHealth.com. All one word, WarRoomHealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WarRoomHealth, all one word, WarRoomHealth.com. Go there today. You need, If you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. 
How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out.